0: The Mysterious Circumstances podcast is hosted by Justin Rimmel. This is an American Crimecast production. Visit us at our new home at accproductions.org. Remember, everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Welcome to Mysterious Circumstances, everybody. This is Justin. Uh, We got a pretty good mystery for you here today. We will be doing The Disappearance and the Death of Dorothy Jane Scott. Some of you might be familiar with it, some of you might not. It's actually a very intriguing case. Personally, like I had just told my my esteemed co-host here, Jessica, I find it actually more intriguing than Maura Murray because... Dorothy Jane Scott didn't wander off into the wilderness drunk and get eaten by fucking animals. So, Jessica, would you like to introduce yourself? Okay.
1: Um, I'm Jessica, and I am a longtime listener,
0: so... A very long time listener. It. Like, when I got a review from Taiwan, I was like, holy shit. Somebody yeah. over in Asia is listening to me.
1: I know. You don't <laughs> expect that. But if you guys... You know. So um so yeah so I've been listening for a long time and I was asked if I was interested in co-hosting and I was like yes but you know nerves and everything but here I am
0: Yeah and uh you were at CrimeCon I got to meet you there which was super fucking awesome cuz I was like standing at a table and I turned around and there's like this little Asian girl standing there and I'm just like oh shit that's Jessica right there holy fuck
1: Yeah that's the other <laughs> Asian girl looked
0: Right? right. <laughs> I think you were the only one. <laughs> Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. Did you have fun at Crime Con?
1: Oh, I did. It was amazing.
0: It was very fun. So it was. It was, dude.
1: it was the greatest experiences ever.
0: Yeah. Did you cry when you left?
1: I was crying inside. I was really depressed. <laughs> and then I ran into at the airport, so that was all
0: right. Yeah, I was gonna say you got to you got to randomly meet Ellie there, so that was pretty pretty awesome. Yep, that was very very cool. So, what case got you hooked onto true crime?
1: I don't, I can't say there was a specific case
0: in general, but
1: um, I was actually more into murders in general, like gore and everything.
0: And then one day, I
1: was like, "Huh, I wonder how this happened." And then from then on, I started going into, like, the story, the details and everything. So that's kind of how I got into True Crime.
0: Well, Jessica, would you like to uh, start start our story off?
1: Sure thing. So Dorothy Jane Scott, she was a 32-year-old single mother to a boy called Sean Shanti. I think his name was Shanti, and his nickname was Sean.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: they were both livid. They were living in Stanton, California, with her aunt. She was a devout Christian, and she was described to be a very boring person. But boring, but nice, compassionate, caring, and everything. She did not date around, and she was mostly focused on work and her family life. And yeah. when she was at work, her parents would babysit her son. Her son. Yeah. So that's basically it for her family life.
0: But, and she was kind of out of okay, place working see. where she worked. She was a pretty devout Christian from what I understand yeah. and one of her friends, yeah one of her friends described her as being as dull as a phone book. So I, know, I mean I don't know
1: if that's a compliment or not but
0: <laughs> I would really take not. it as one but it's it's just funny because she works at a psychedelic shop that's connected to a head shop. For those of you who don't know what a head shop is, first of all, get out and live a little bit, and a head <laughs> shop, like, is where you go buy fucking bongs and, you know, bubblers and pipes and whatever kind of recreational marijuana paraphernalia that you need to pick up, you know, so, mm-hmm. all right.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit contradicting for someone who's very conservative and religious, I suppose.
0: Yeah, definitely. She was, yeah. And, I mean, everybody liked her, though. I mean, she was, you know, all her coworkers got along with her just fine. They just said, you know, she really didn't fit into the atmosphere, you know, of the hippie culture. Yeah,
1: she was was just a nice one, generally speaking. Exactly.
0: Okay, so,
1: well, she worked there as a secretary, so mostly back office. And uh, the store was called The Swinger Psych Shop, and it's located in Anaheim. And it's right next to another store called Custom John's Head Shop. So, basically, they're they're like a co-owned store by a guy named John. I can't really pronounce it, but I'm just going to try anyway. Yeah. Kaikola.
0: Yeah. That kind of... that. I mean, that sounds right by the way it's spelled, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah. Unless there's another origin to that name, then I wouldn't know.
0: That's hard to okay. tell.
1: Yeah, I can't we're, we're
0: America. Like when people come over here, they just change shit. They're like, "Well, I don't like my name anymore. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna call myself this."
1: Or change the pronunciation because why not? Yeah, why
0: not? Yeah, so okay. I guess I don't know. There's not really too much information on her leading up to the months prior to her disappearance. I guess what was it? A couple months before beforehand. She uh, started receiving some phone calls, and they were definitely very threatening, very stalker-ish, and I, I lightly mm. put the ish on there because it was straight fucking creepy. An unnamed man would call the shop asking for her, obviously, and he would be—well, first of all, she said she, she recognized the voice, but she couldn't pinpoint it exactly, So it had to have been somebody that she had probably personally met at some point in time. But these calls would come and they would be half endearing. You know, this person would say how much they loved her and, you know, how much they wanted to take care of her. And then with like a flip of a light switch, he would say things like, I'm going to cut you up into little bits and nobody is ever going to find you. Um, I do know at one point in time she had gotten a phone call, and I know me he talked about this beforehand. But the stalker called her, and you know would t- told her, "Hey, uh, why don't you step outside? I got something for you." And when she would walk outside, there would be like a dead rose on the windshield of her car. Now, why, if a stalker is calling you, telling you they're going to chop you up in little bits? And all this other crazy fucking shit for literally months. If if they tell you to come outside, why the fuck are you gonna go outside? You know what I mean? Like, kind of, kind of odd there. You know, kind of a common sense factor. But he would give details into her daily life. He knew her daily routine. She ended up. She contemplated actually buying a gun at one point. She never went through with it. But I read varying reports. I do know that she was taking uh, karate classes, and the length of time that she took them, I'm not sure I heard anywhere from a couple months she was taking the classes to that she just started the self-defense classes, like, a week before she vanished. So,
1: yeah, what I read was, like, a week.
0: That's That was the more consistent so one that I read. Mm-hmm. I did read the other one, like, a couple times, but I read the week one, like probably 10 times, so that's kind of the one that I'm going to base it on, so, you know, if there was a chance to eventually fight back, it probably wasn't a good one.
1: And she did kind of come off as a bit more naive in general, so... Yeah, definitely. I mean, what, what you said, when she just went out, when someone told her, the, you know, the random stalker guy was like, come out, and she's like, okay, so she goes out, Yeah, and she has no sense of... Um, Oh, there might be danger or I don't a curiosity bugger I guess, but
0: that could've been it too, you know, the curiosity of it. But you know, naive is a good word for it. Naive is a good word for it. I definitely never bash the victims. So we we'll, we're just gonna say naive. I guess that I mean, in a nutshell, that's pretty much what happened. There's not really too many details on what was said. I mean, she had mentioned it to coworkers. You know, quite often that somebody was calling this shop. You know, talking to her, Mm -hmm. and she and she said numerous times, like I had said before, that she recognized the voice, but she just couldn't pinpoint it. So for me, that's a pretty interesting, you know, little tidbit of information. But I don't know. You want to lead us up to the uh, the night of the employee meeting?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I went through a couple sources and. We decided it was probably May twenty eighth. It was a night of I mean, it was a employee meeting around nine p.m. I know that sounds like a weird time, but then again, I really wouldn't know if that's weird or their business. So maybe it's like a regular meeting. Maybe it wasn't. I wouldn't really know. It doesn't really say anywhere. But it was at it was on May twenty eighth around nine p.m. They were at an employee meeting and Dorothy notices that one of her coworkers, a guy called Conrad, he had developed like a rash or a shriek on his arm. And then he looked he looked sickly or something. So Dorothy offered see, this is another thing. I don't sure if she offered or if he asked her to, but she took him to the emergency room at the UCI. <clears throat> and another coworker, Pam, had offered to go along with him.
0: And I had heard, I had read personally that she volunteered to take him because that's kind of that most accounts, that was kind of her personality. You know, she was just, a, you know, a sweetheart. She noticed he was in pretty bad pain and discomfort. And from what I understand that it was a black widow bite, black widow spider. And, you know, that just indulges my fear of spiders that much more. But it was to the point where it was getting, it is, I'm scared to fucking death of spiders. I can't lie. But uh, she said it was just getting worse by the minute. Like, it was a really bad spider bite, and he didn't know what it was exactly. He just felt sharp pain and couldn't, you know, didn't really know where it came from or whatever. But, yeah, they go to the UC Irvine Medical Center. It was a roughly 15 to 20-minute drive to the east, almost a straight shot, literally almost a straight shot. So when they get there, what uh, what happens, Jessica?
1: Well... They get there and, of course, he's immediately checked up on and they discover, as Justin said, it was a black widow spider bite. And during the whole time, Pam and Dorothy sat outside chatting, reading magazines, and that whole stuff while they were waiting for him. And around 11 p.m., he is discharged from the emergency room. It was around this time Dorothy was, like, probably offering to bring the car around because Conrad was probably still in discomfort. So Pam and Conrad wait out, wait around for her while she goes out to the parking lot and brings her car around to pick them up. And it's probably, I'm not sure if it was like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, or half an hour. I, I get a lot of different sources. Yeah. But they wait for a long time, and she never shows up. And suddenly she does, and the car is like speeding towards them. Yes. And it doesn't stop. And
0: it has its bright on. Like, yeah.
1: Exactly. So they couldn't see inside the car. And they couldn't see if it was her driving or it could have been somebody else or what was going on. But the car went right past them, turned off their headlights, and left the parking lot. And that was the last time they saw her or supposedly
0: saw her. That is very true. And um, the car left. There were a couple... There was one, one place that, that I had read that there was a car directly in front of her car that was kind of like, they said almost leading the path, you know, like kind of leading the way or whatever. But that was only in one, I think, only one newspaper article. But it did say when the, when it pulled out of the parking lot and it took that right hand turn, once it got on the road, it shut its headlights off. So, yes, exactly. and then kind of, you know, sped away. You know, we'll talk a lot more about that in the theories. I know me and you went went our rounds on theories for probably like a fucking half an hour, but you know, it's um, it's just really weird because you know they get to the hospital, they fill out, you know, they they get checked out. He gets his prescriptions filled. the the timeline factor, you know, is definitely a problem for me. But I guess we'll touch base a little bit on that in the uh, in the theories section, but. But yeah, I mean, there's not too many details mm-hmm. from Pam and the one dude that got bit by the spider. He they both said that they assumed that, you know, maybe there was an emergency with her son or something. So she had to go very quickly. But that doesn't explain you know, the the bright lights of the car being on, you know, and speeding past at the speed it did, and then the headlights turning off as it turned on to the main road out of the parking lot. But what was the time frame of the first call to her parents after she disappeared? I know Pam and Conrad, they uh, they waited quite a while for her to come back. They kept thinking she was going to come back. So I, from what I understand, it was anywhere from, like, Two to several hours before they even attempted to call anybody.
1: That was pretty weird, I guess.
0: Uh, Yeah, I find that very fucking weird. And I got my theory on that, but I don't want to get into too much of the theories because I'm going to go on a rant. But (laughs) (laughs) they called her parents and they ended up reporting her missing. And then how long after that was it? I think it was a week after that, that Dorothy's mom, Vera... Started getting phone calls.
1: Uh, from what I found, it was around June 3rd, possibly like a week after. Yeah,
0: yeah that would be about right, about a week. And it was every Wednesday.
1: Yeah, and it was every usually single-
0: every single Wednesday, usually through the week. And the first phone call was, you know, hey, is Dorothy home? Or, you know, I've got Dorothy, or I killed Dorothy. Mm-hmm. And he would always switch his. I don't want to say mo, but he would always change like what he was saying. He 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 changed between "I got Dorothy" to "I killed Dorothy" or "Is Dorothy home?" Yeah, and Vera said it was the same guy every single time, and literally almost every Wednesday, like clockwork, for four fucking years afterward.
1: I know that's dedication.
0: I don't know what that is, man. That is fucking persistence right there. I I do know that the local police didn't want Jacob, her father, to... They wanted to keep everything real close to the vest. Mm -hmm. And I think it was only a week or two. I think it was right after Jacob actually went to the press with it is when the phone calls started on the Wednesdays because he just couldn't take it anymore. He couldn't keep it in. So he finally made a statement and, you know, the phone calls persisted. They have recordings of his voice. They do, Mm -hmm. but he would slightly change his voice just a little bit while he was making the phone calls. They couldn't trace calls then. I mean, it wasn't till the mid eighties that they switched from manual switch operators to automatic ones. And even if they could trace a call, it would take... The very soonest, and this was the mid-80s, not the early 80s, the very soonest that they could trace a call was three minutes. But in reality, it was anywhere from, they said, 10 to 20 minutes. You would have to be on the line for them to accurately trace it. So, I mean, they have recordings of the calls because they tapped their phone, but they couldn't trace it. You know what I'm saying, but yeah, it was definitely. weird because the caller would always call when Vera, Vera was alone. They knew when she was alone at home, alone almost every Wednesday, like clockwork, and just taunting the fuck out of them. Um, do you want to talk yeah. about when the suspect uh, called the called the register, the local newspaper?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, that one day, um, since like the police wanted to contain this like between them and not let the media in yet. Well, Jacob, the father of Dorothy, waited around weeks or so, and yeah. he was like, "Okay, this I can't take this anymore. Like, we need help." So he contacted, you know, the Register, which is an Orange County newspaper, and they ran a missing persons report on the right on the newspaper for that day. And on the same day, I think it was the same day, the the managing editor, uh, Pat Riley, mm-hmm. he got a from a guy claiming to be the killer. So the guy was um, explaining in how he was involved with Dorothy and that Dorothy was cheating on him. And when he confronted her in the hospital at the UCI, but then she she denied it. And he also gave information about what she was wearing, as in as in her clothes from that day, and what Conrad Conrad's condition was. Yeah. The sp- And none of this information was included in the missing persons report. So this sort of did, um, it made him seem legit as if he was the killer.
0: Oh, yeah. From the time they left their work meeting to the time they went to the UCI Medical Center, they stopped off at her parents' house, Dorothy's parents' house, to check on Sean, and she changed her black scarf to a red one. Now, when the guy called the register, the the newspaper there, he knew that she was wearing a red scarf and he knew the you know, about the spider bite. And now when he called the editor, when he called Pat Riley, he was saying he knew what she was wearing. He knew what Conrad had, just like you had said, but he also said that, you know, she was cheating on him. You know, he had said, you know, she was cheating on me. I loved her. So I had to kill her. That was pretty much it. I mean, it was... He pretty much verified that if he wasn't the fucking killer, he knew who the killer was, and he knew exactly what the fuck happened that night.
1: Yeah, and um, it said that he also claimed that Dorothy called him from the medical center.
0: Yeah, that's that right. Night. Yep. But
1: then... That- Pam when Pam heard me, she was like, What? No way, because like we were together the entire time except for the time that she went to the bathroom and that was it. She was never alone. Yeah. So I don't know what doesn't
0: go. Yeah, that was kinda of weird. Yeah, that guy did. He said he's like, you know, she called me from the hospital and that Pam just totally blew that out of the water. He's like, No, we were together the entire time and they went to the ba- she went to the bathroom like while she was leaving to go get the car from what I understood. Yeah, yeah, it's extremely mind-boggling, to be perfectly honest with you. But yeah, that's pretty much a lot of the details until, you know, her body was found. Um, Do you want to touch base on that a little bit?
1: Uh, Okay, just another something else that I want to include. Um, The night that she disappeared, uh, around 4.30 a.m., her her car was actually found in an alleyway 10 miles away from the hospital. And it was burning, but there but there was no one in the car. So that was yeah, um, yeah, pretty sinister and suspicious, I would say.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, to be honest with you, that's pretty. And that actually ties back to another case of uh, was it Patricia Schneider, Patricia Snyder or Schneider? Yeah. From uh, 1982, and a lot of people tried connecting these two cases you know, besides the burning car, there's no real connection. I mean, there were two guys spotted at a gas station. I think it was that Patricia Smith or blah, Patricia Snyder was at and you mm-hmm. know she was seven years younger than uh Dorothy Jane Scott. The only similarity is that you know a while after she was abducted and still never seen again is you know the car was on fire that was that's pretty much the only connection. But yeah, tell us about uh, her body being found.
1: Okay, so after years, four years to be exact, of uh, calling her parents and everything. Yep. Okay, so uh, on right. August of 1984, a subcontractor discovered uh, some remains off the Santa Ana Canyon Road. The first set of remains was that of a dog, and underneath, underneath that dog was parts. Of um I would say parts of human remains, it wasn't a full set of human remains. it was just a skull, a pelvis, an arm, and two thigh bones and that was a was a ring and a watch. that's pretty much it. That's what they found.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much it and the watch it was a there's a, a turquoise ring she was wearing mm-hmm. the the watch um, had stopped at 1230 a.m on the 29th of May. Mm -hmm. Not sure if it was the same year or not. I mean, obviously, it is theorized that the watch stopped shortly after her abduction, but nobody can really really pinpoint that for sure. But yeah, and the, the bones had been there for at least two years, because two years prior in 1982, there was a brush fire that rolled through there pretty bad. When they found the bones, the bones were charred, so that would mean that... More than likely, the dog bones were placed there afterward because, you know, of the, like you had stated, the thin layer of dirt between the dog bones and her bones. And I never heard, I never read anywhere that the dog bones were actually charred. Um, Did you?
1: No, I didn't either.
0: Okay. So, yeah, that would, you know, the killer probably revisited the spot and he loved his dog and he loved her. So he buried them in the same spot or some shit. I don't know
1: yeah I also read somewhere that it would that it was a it was it was a way to uh, avoid search dogs because some search dogs are trained to smell human only but if they smell animals then they would not I don't they wouldn't go towards it or something
0: yeah yeah
1: I don't know that's that's true though
0: I'm not a hundred percent on that either to be perfectly honest with you. But, yeah, and then after the bones were found, it was a pretty big deal. It was all over in the newspapers. Um, The media had gotten a hold of it. And there were two more, I believe, just two more phone calls to to the Scott residence. And um, I'm not sure what the first one entailed, but I do know that the last one is the one that Jacob answered. And it was the only phone call that Jacob answered. And the killer didn't say anything, hung up. And was never heard from again. And
1: he the call, was, uh, the call was saying, is Dorothy home? And that was like the end. The, the call after they confirmed it was her remains.
0: Yeah, it, uh, it's pretty fucking baffling, to be honest with you. And um, it gets even more baffling when you start asking little minute questions like we were just doing. Before we started recording.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, obviously there's only one fucking suspect, alright? And it would be the stalker. You know. I commend you, Anaheim Police Department, for pinpointing the suspect as being the the stalker. You guys did a great job on that. But (laughs) yeah. So I guess let's ask some of those weird Fucked up questions. Um, Jessica, what do you got? What What's your theories and what questions do you have that doesn't make sense?
1: My theory for the stalker would be somebody who came around their shop. Someone who knew Dorothy, but maybe she heard him talk at some point, but she never really interacted with him directly. I would say somebody like a handyman, a mailman, or... Maybe, a, maybe even, like, a client. This probably would not be working because it seems like he's got a lot of time in his hands. Or he has a very flexible, which is also possible. And so that's my theory on the person. As for the ex... Oh, she had an ex-husband who is her son's father. And they also were investigating him, but he had a solid alibi and was in Missouri at the time. So not him. And... Then, I think the suspect the suspect pool should be very narrow since she never left her house basically. She was always at work and she focused on her kid and she didn't date around. I mean there wasn't that many people that she could have sort of knew but not really recognized. Not that many I would say. And um one of the one of the questions I have is uh what you said about the person hanging up on her father. A lot of people would say like, oh, he he called and then instead of Vera answering the phone it was Jacob so the caller the stalker guy immediately assumed oh they must have moved so he hung up on the dad but I, I, that doesn't that doesn't really work with me because I, I don't think he would hang up if he just assumed they moved why, why would he assume that and he knows where they live and he knows their phone number he knows that there's a dad at home
0: yeah and he specifically would call Vera when she was there alone
1: so instead of calling at, the, at the, the time that he always calls, he called at, I don't know, it was like evening time and where Jacob was home. So Jacob answered the phone and he hangs up. Was it really because he thought they moved or was it because like, oh, shit, Jacob would probably recognize my voice?
0: I totally agree. Is there any other questions? I know me and you were talking a lot about the time factor between them leaving the or the, the employee meeting. ...at her job compared to when she went to go get the car, you know, by the time Mm -hmm. he was getting checked out. For me personally, that doesn't make fucking sense for shit because let's say this employee meeting starts at 9 p.m. You're going to be sitting there for at least 10, 20, 30 minutes before you realize your co-worker is in fucking pain enough that you're going to volunteer to drive him to the fucking hospital, so let's say nine thirty. now on your way to the hospital you're going to stop at your parents house which is out of the way and you're going to stop there and you're going to change your scarf you're going to check on your son which hopefully a four-year-old would be asleep by about you know 9 10 o'clock let's say you go there then you go to the hospital you check into the hospital you have a doctor visit you get checked out you get a prescription filled And you're out in the parking lot waiting for a car. All within two hours. The only people providing this timeline are Pam and Conrad. Something's gotta be skewed here. Why would you wait several fucking hours to call somebody, you know, to say, Hey, where in the fuck is Dorothy at? Like, if I saw a fucking car speeding towards me with brights on, you know, I'm gonna be like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, that's our ride, you know? But on top of it, her friend Pam is like, well, we just assumed that, you know, there was an emergency with her son. Why the fuck would you assume that? She was it with, doesn't
1: make sense it, because, uh... It doesn't. How would she know?
0: Exactly. She never made any fucking phone calls. She used the bathroom. Where does this Actually, assumption come from? It's... Yeah, it's like, where does this assumption come from? And then on top of that, you, you're you telling me that this guy literally just got fucking taken to the hospital like emergency type shit. Just got prescribed some medication. And you two are standing out in front of the fucking hospital for several hours, at least three hours from what they said, waiting for her to come back without ever fucking calling anybody. When you know goddamn well that... First of all, the place of work is 20 fucking minutes away, a drive, and you know where her fucking parents live because you were just at her fucking house. You know the drive time, so you're going to fucking honestly tell me that it, it that it doesn't fucking make sense. It's like... No, I agree. But no, I... You know, that, that was my biggest question because what I started what I started doing was starting started looking into you know maybe there was more than one person involved because mm-hmm. the big question is if this guy shows up and they leave driving her car then where the fuck is his car there the public transportation there in 1980 was it, I mean, there was public transportation. Don't get me wrong, but it was scarce. Okay, and you know, walking anywhere, yeah. It I mean, it's a healthy hike, especially to Santa Ana. You know, Santa Ana Canyon. You know, that's a good four or five miles, I believe. You know, and even even the walk from her workplace to the UCI. I mean, yeah, it's a twenty minute drive, but it's it's a little over six mile distance like you're not you're not going to fucking walk that so if he's leaving in their car then his car was either in the parking lot still or somebody dropped him off there or he walked there public transportation but that's the thing how's he's not going to have public transportation if he knows what scarf she's wearing if he knows you know what the spider bite was all about which Don't get me wrong, that's all after the fact. That could be after she was abducted. He could have fucking interrogated her because, you know, the crazy stalker in love. It's like, why are you cheating on me? I saw you with another guy. Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, no, he had a spider bite. We had to take him to the hospital. Blah, blah, blah. But if the one article is true about a car being directly in front of them as they were pulling out of the parking lot, then that would throw in the theory of more than one person being involved and I mean don't get me wrong it would be so much easier to stalk somebody with two people who are trading information I mean personally I don't believe it what are your thoughts on that
1: um, I, I find it hard to believe that stalkers would work in you know pairs and duos or teams you know yeah yeah it, it's weird. I, I don't understand how that works. And it's not very likely that they were both obsessed with the word either. Exactly, because it yeah. still doesn't make sense. Like, wouldn't you want to have her to yourself as somebody with a strong session? <laughs> and unless you have a weird accomplice who's like, you know, just following you around and, you know, willing to do whatever the hell you wanted them to do. Maybe, maybe you have your own other captive or, you know, somebody else who's just willing to do whatever you wanted them to do. Sure, that might. That could be, but it's not that likely.
0: No, in my it's opinion. not. What, did, what do you think about, you know, them waiting forever to call somebody? What do, What What's your opinion on that little timeline factor there?
1: Yeah, at first it didn't really bother me, but then the more I looked into it, I'm like, these two, these two people are sort of sketchy in a way. It doesn't, the information that they give isn't very complete and what they do isn't very, it's not very intuitive. Okay, if I were stranded somewhere at night, like middle of night, I would probably get a taxi, go, you know, go home and make calls from there. I don't know. And I wouldn't probably be standing around the hospital for a few hours waiting my friend to show up. I mean, if, if I assumed it was a family emergency, it wasn't gonna. She wasn't gonna go and come back for me like immediately either. I might as well go home, call her, or call her from the hospital, call her parents. I don't know. Just do something yeah. immediately instead of standing around.
0: Exactly that. The Conrad and Pam thing really, really bothers me. And some people might not think it's a it's a big deal, but it really bothered me because it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Their their timeline is fucked. Because when they found her, you know, her watch had stopped at, you know, 12.30 a.m. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like I said, it's naturally assumed that the watch stopped. And everybody, like me and you had said, everybody's like, well, she must have died shortly after. And like, like I told you, like, when you're wearing a fucking watch, when your pulse stops, the watch does not stop. It keeps going. So there was some kind of... Of struggle, like when she was, you know, possibly getting pulled out of the car. Maybe she tried to fight back. You know, it takes some kind of impact to a watch to make it stop. Because I'm assuming it wasn't a digital watch. Assuming it was a, a, you know, a geared watch, a dial watch. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to take some kind of impact for that watch to stop. So it's not necessarily saying that she died shortly thereafter. I'm thinking she definitely fought back. You know, obviously he probably you know interrogated or somewhat if that's the right word for it you know to see what the yeah. fuck was going on because i mean he was so fucking obsessed with this chick so and bad but. so when
1: he said he was cheating on her, uh maybe he was assuming you know he saw conrad and he yep. was like oh another guy he must be you know, whatever yep you're cheating on him. i don't know it's probably and conrad or not but if not then i would say Pam and conrad they are weird on this matter,
0: and I think that's why that was the night that it happened because he had plenty of opportunities when she was alone to do whatever he wanted, but she hardly ever dated. She worked from morning until night pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she was home all the time with her son. He had every opportunity in the world to do this, but he chose this day. And I think yeah. that's the reason, because he saw her with another guy, and he fucking flipped his shit. You know, she's fucking cheating on me, because, you know, stalkers stalkers have this fucked up sense of reality. Mm-hmm. You know, that was one of my bigger questions, I guess, was just the timeline factor. And, um, I mean, like, we had talked about, you know, her bones being charred and the dog bones. We couldn't find anything written that's saying the dog bones were charred. Mm-hmm. So, going back to that, I guess, personally, I mean, he he quote-unquote loved her, but, I you know, and a part of me thinks he might have accidentally killed her. You know, he might oh, have had hey. other intentions for a while, and, you know, she either fought back or he just lost control and accidentally killed her. Mm-hmm. And, and that would be yeah, the... Okay. Yeah, and that would be the calling her parents' house... Because he wants some kind of connection to her still, you know, Uh so he would ask, you know, hey, is Dorothy home? And the way he says it, like, I have Dorothy, I have her, I killed her. And he'd say that in the same sentence. Like, it's almost a sense of, I don't want to say regret, but a sense of, I fucked up, I shouldn't have killed her. Because I loved her so much, but I'm a crazy motherfucker,
1: so Mm -hmm. I did,
0: you know what I mean? Yeah, but you know her bones were there for for at least two years that we know of. Let's say the stalker's dog dies. He loved that dog. He loved Dorothy. He's gonna go back and bury it in the same spot. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, granted that doesn't explain why only partial remains were found. I don't. I can't explain that. Mm-hmm. You know, because if her body was just literally laid out there, just randomly. Your, your bones are, are pretty much all going to be there. I mean, animals aren't going to rip off your fucking leg and carry it somewhere else. I mean, it's bone. They're going to sit there and fucking eat that shit. But, I mean, there's just so many questions about it, but I don't know. Um, what's, your, what's your full-on actual theory of what happened, Jessica?
1: Okay, so the guy was stalking her. He follows her to the hospital that day uh i don't know how he got there he probably took he probably i don't know he probably took a taxi it's possible i mean i mean he's not going to spare any expenses when it comes to the love of his life right i don't think he 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 had an accomplice i think it was a it was a lone stalker so he saw what was going on he was concerned because you know she was his So he followed her out and he's like, okay, if I don't make my move now, I will never have my chance because she never leaves the house and she's always at work. So he attacks her. He probably knocks her out. That's what I think. I don't think he made her drive because that would be very risky. He probably attacks her, you know, like, I don't know, ties her hands up, throws her in the back and he drives off. Because he's the one controlling the, the Headlights and everything, so He takes her out somewhere mm-hmm. And then he gets rid of the car And then um, he, like I I Like you said, I also think he probably accidentally Killed her, he probably would have wanted Kept her lo- alive yeah. longer, but Either she was fighting back too much Or he was too agitated I wouldn't know, but she died And he called the parents He called the newspaper to kind of um, I think it was Some sort of like a confession thing as well, uh, to make himself feel better or kind of to explain himself so he wouldn't... So it's not, like, his fault. It was like, oh, because she was cheating on me because she was doing this and that, so it's not all on me. But I loved her, so that's my take on it. This, nobody knows who this is.
0: It's just weird. I mean, that's pretty much right there with me. It's uh, For me personally, I want to know because... Jacob had owned that shop before the the John dude owned it. So mm-hmm. I want to know if John if Jacob had any business partners because that would give him some kind of familiar familiarity uh I ain't even gonna bother <laughs> saying that word. You guys know what I'm saying. That would make him more familiar with Dorothy. Dorothy would somewhat know his voice but wouldn't be able to pinpoint it, and that would explain. Why the one time that Jacob answered the phone, the caller didn't say shit and never called back again. Now, I want to say that this person was maybe older. I mean, obviously, he had a lot of fucking time on his hands because he knew every single aspect of her daily routine, So I want to say he either was an older guy who didn't have to work or had some amount of money that gave him the resources to literally not do shit, but follow her around all the time. And that would kind of tie into anybody that Jacob might have been involved with business wise at some point in time, because Dorothy would have been around that person, would have talked to him, you know, but wouldn't have been familiar enough with him to know his voice. I do think that he acted alone, just like you. How he got to the actual hospital, I'm not a hundred percent sure. All I know is that he either walked, took public transportation, or his car was there for quite a while. And I think the same along the same lines as you, uh, I don't think he killed her on purpose. I think he just got agitated because she was with another man. And he was so in love with her, even though he, you know, vocally displayed some signs of fucking being a psycho, you know, when he would call her and shit, you know, she either fought back to the point where he, you know, accidentally killed her and then him, you know, like I said, like I said before him calling the house afterward was his way of still having that connection with her. You know, being able to talk to her family and asking if she's home, but yet admitting that he took her, that he has her, that he killed her. Because, I mean, in all honesty, he could have had her fucking six months before he killed her. We don't fucking know. In all honesty, that's probably what makes this case, like, so difficult. Not so much, like, you know, on the mysterious level, yeah, but the fact that you don't know what happened. You know what 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 happened to her what did she go through What it's a mind Numbing case To say the mm-hmm. least and I know In the last year um, A lot of A lot of people started bringing it more To the light and there was somebody Who actually theorized that It might have a connection With the you know East area rapist and shit Personally I'm not Seeing it but mm-hmm. It's, yeah, Mm -hmm. when I saw that theory, I was just like, Christ, guys were fucking grabbing at straws here, man. But I think it was somebody who lived in the area because Mm -hmm. he was readily available to follow her around. It wasn't a long distance that he would have to drive to follow her anywhere. She lived within a pretty good, you know, vicinity, work, home, parents' house. It was all Mm -hmm. right there, you know, not much of a drive at all. So I think he lived somewhere close by. And there's a lot of residential areas right around there. So, I don't know. That's kind of my theory on the suspect and on what happened, I guess. But I will say this. Pam and Conrad do not help this case at all. Um, nope. When you start adding up the time factor in the timeline and what they say as eyewitnesses, it does not nope. make sense. agree. Right. I don't know. Is there anything else that you would like to add, Jessica?
1: I didn't read about this one um one theory, I guess, that it was saying how the people that actually killed her were Pam and
0: Conrad. You know what? What yeah? I, no, I was just gonna say to be their shadiness does not put that out of the realm of possibility, <laughs> but there's <laughs> no fucking motive. You know what I mean?
1: Uh, there were, of course, it's just a theory, but uh, what I saw was, um, what I read was about how Dorothy probably uh, unknowingly, you know, found out something about that that something wasn't probably legal, or they were doing some shady, sketchy business, or something like that. Yeah. And they couldn't really trust her because you know she was really she was really religious and she was really you know probably like stand up like you know kind of person, so. They had to keep her quiet, and they. this is, like, perfect timing or something like that. I, I know it's a bit of a stretch, but when they bring it up like this, I mean, I'm considering how weird their reactions were when things started happening. Yes. I would say it's, like, completely impossible, but it's also sort of difficult to uh, really believe, I suppose.
0: Oh, you know, I... That's That's... No, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibilities because the more I researched this, the more I was like, I was like, these two fucking people do not make sense. And I mean, granted, I highly doubt Conrad was going to say, okay, you know, let's get a Black Widow spider. Let him fucking bite me. This is going to be our day. But the whole stalker thing throws mm-hmm. throws it off so much. I don't know whether they were involved or, or something of that nature. I know they didn't help the fucking case. And to be perfectly honest with you, I don't know how anybody didn't question that timeline beforehand. Like, I never saw anybody questioning the fucking time factor of when they got their prescription filled, or was checked out of the hospital... You know, from the time that they left the fucking work meeting, the whole timeline doesn't make fucking sense.
1: Yeah, I don't see how you do all that in two hours. I don't either.
0: I'm not sure about, and I know you live in China now, I'm not sure how, you know, hospitals work there. But goddamn, like in America, (laughs) you're fucking waiting. Like, you could be fucking, you know, your throat fucking slit, and you're holding it together with your fingers your fucking ass is still waiting in the waiting room. You know what I mean? Filling out insurance paperwork and shit <laughs> like that. I mean, obviously not to that extreme. You know, I was, you know, I embellishing, but there's no fucking way. And I mean, granted, it was later at night. So, I mean, the drive might was probably faster. I won't deny that. You know, there's probably less pay- patience in there. I won't deny that. But still... You know, let's say they got to the hospital at 10 o'clock. You're not gonna get in there, fill out insurance paperwork, see a fucking doctor, get checked out, and get a prescription filled by 11 o'clock, and then sit there and tell me that the fucking person who drove you there rushes out of the parking lot with their fucking brights on, blinding you, and then turns Mm -hmm. off their fucking lights as soon as they hit the road, the, the one fucking thing that you can come up with is, oh... Well, I thought she had an emergency with her son, so we waited fucking three hours to fucking call somebody. <laughs> like that does not fucking make any sense whatsoever.
1: None. You're right.
0: I don't know. I guess. I guess that's that's my rant right there. I don't even know.
1: I <laughs> get it. Those sketchy coworkers. Why do you think she decided to stop by her parents' house?
0: On the way to the hospital. Well, she... From what I understand, she stopped there to check on Sean. And from what her mother said, she had commented on her black scarf. I don't know why her mother had commented on it. I didn't read that much into it. But her mother had said something about her black scarf, so she changed into a red one before she left. But the initial reason... That she had stopped there was to check on Sean because she figured she was going to be at the fucking hospital for a while.
1: Yeah, I understand. Um, but if it was only to check, this is this is just like pure, you know, wonder, well, me wondering. If you were just, you know, checking and letting them know that you'd be late and you had a guy with, uh, let's say, some unidentified condition sitting in the back of your car. I don't think I would, I don't, I don't really know how most people would be, but it was, I I read somewhere that, you know, people were like, would you really, would you really make that trip? Why don't you just get to the hospital, call your parents or call your, you know, your parents from
0: work or from the hospital?
1: Exactly. And, you know, because you don't know what's wrong with the guy, you know, with his arm or whatever. So would you really delay getting him help?
0: That's a really good point.
1: I mean, it might not be anything, but it's just, it's
0: just a random curiosity I have. Right no, now. and that's... And, you know, for all we know, maybe them two shady fucking co-workers were like, hey, maybe you should stop at your house and check on Sean. You know, maybe she said, hey, you know, it'll take me five minutes. I just got to stop at home. Real, I just got to stop, you know, at my parents' house real quick. It's on the way. It'll only take a second, which you know, from all accounts, she was there literally long enough to, you know, check on Sean and change that scarf. So she probably wasn't there very long, but um, still to the same, to the same extent, like you had said, you know, you got a guy with an unidentified condition in the back of your car that you were worried enough about to say, Hey, we're going to the fucking ER dude. We're going to the hospital. Why are we going to take his pit stop? You'd you know if it were me personally i'd go straight to the hospital i mean obviously if, if we didn't have cell phones now you know i'd go straight to the hospital yeah. and just be like call them from there just be like hey mm-hmm. this is where i'm at is sean okay and mm-hmm. that's just me though you're on the same page though
1: yeah i i i, mean, I am actually
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah was, do you
1: have any other theories or questions no?
0: like, not you- not really um I mean, yeah, I got like a million and a half questions, I'm not going to lie, but for the most part, you know, when you when you said you wanted to do this case, I was like, man, there's a lot of fucking people that did this already, I was like, but it's one that I know you're going to get into, so I was like, because this always helps when the co-host is like going to be able to get into the shit, you know what I mean? And after I started getting into it, and I did listen to a couple different podcasts. I listened to two of them. One was called The Dork Deduction, which is fucking funnier than hell. I don't know if anybody's ever listened. That's a really tiny fucking podcast out of uh, England. That, and uh, I listened to Strange Matters podcast. I Mm -hmm. absolutely love that podcast, by the way. And after you suggested it, and I listened to those, I was like, man, there's got to be, like, more to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And nobody really asked, I think, the questions that me and you touched base on quite a bit. And I know True Crime Garage probably had like a five-part series on this or something. I don't know. Did you listen to their podcast on this? No,
1: I didn't listen to the, the, the their episode on Dorothy. I didn't listen to that
0: one. Okay. So I don't know if they touched base on any of these questions, but the, the two podcasts that I did listen to, after researching it, I was like, Why aren't they touching on this? You know, why didn't they mention this? And I'm, you know, definitely not bashing any of those podcasts whatsoever. I fucking Uh love all three of them, but it's just like, there's so many questions that I had that I know the listeners are going to have. So I had to Mm -hmm. say something about them because some of that fucking Mm -hmm. shit don't make sense, Jessica. So I'm actually not mad that you suggested a case like this. (laughs) Because, like, well, once I started getting into it, I was like, there's just so much going on here.
1: Yeah. You know? On the, on the surface, it's really simple. Like, oh, girl gets called. Oh, caller gets, you know, obsessed. You know, obsessed caller abducts girl, kills her there. Yeah. That's what like on the surface. I, I, I get it.
0: Yeah, but once you start getting into it, it's like, Wait a minute. And my biggest thing was that timeline. That, that's mm-hmm. what really made me dig into it. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, so you're telling me that they drove 20 minutes, that, you know, there's 20 minutes from her work to the hospital, yet they stopped off at her parents in between there, which is out of the way. They were checked in the hospital, saw a doctor, checked out, got prescription, filled out insurance paperwork, and were done by 11? There's no fucking way.
1: And, yeah cuz initially i really thought the meeting was somewhere for like 3 p.m. or something and then one one day i was like what 9 p.m. that's that's very weird yeah, it is, is very bad. weird
0: and that's the thing too though even if even if the meeting was i guess at 3 p.m. they still the two witnesses still say that they left whether the the meeting started at 9 or whether they left the meeting at 9 you still have the same timeline factor and it fucking drives me crazy. It's like the shit does not make. It. It's like there's no fucking way. And the only two witnesses are those two people. I'm just gonna drink, take a drink of my rum and coke, and fucking just soak it in.
1: Yeah, but I, I really, I get it because um, before looking into it, like this time with you, uh, I really wasn't aware of all the little details either. I just thought the, the whole stalker, the calling, that part was a was. was really what made this case, you know, really memorable for me. And then looking at, like, wait, what? That's so weird. And then everything just kind of, like, like exploded at the same time.
0: I agree. And, like, uh, when I sent you those newspaper articles, Mm -hmm. you know, and then the newspaper articles are saying that it was on the 27th, I'm like, how the fuck is the local newspaper going to fucking... And everywhere else is the 28th, so it's like, well, maybe you know, the newspaper is right, and maybe her watch stopped a day and a half later, but everywhere I read was the 28th, so it's like, Um, well, you know, newspapers can be flawed, yeah, but the newspapers were really nice on the details. There were a lot of of details in the newspaper articles, which was extremely helpful for me. I agree. Well, I suppose, Jessica, thank you very much for for co-hosting, and while... While we're on the subject of podcasts, when the fuck are you going to start <laughs> yours? Because you've been, we've been going back and forth about this for months now, and I, I've um, sent you video clips okay. of me editing and shit. You're like, well, how do you edit this out? And I send you clips, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I actually did record a bunch of stuff, but that's actually a computer back home, so I don't have access to any of that right now, so I have to start fresh.
0: All right. I'll give you that, I guess. I'll give you a break for now, (laughs) but no, I'm, I'm eager. I hope you go through with it because you're going to be really good at it and I I think it'll be a good thing. Thank you. So you're welcome. But I guess on that note, um, thank you for co-hosting. You did a phenomenal job and I know you were pretty fucking nervous, right? Oh, I was in wreck. I couldn't wait. Oh man. I was like, Oh, is it time yet? Is it time yet?
1: Oh, should I get up now?
0: but um, but now I'm pretty easy to work with I'm just as long as you know your timeline and and your details I'm usually pretty good to go so and I anything you don't know I usually try to try to figure out so I'm glad you had a good time and I hope you come back to co-host again no, I got you me. Yeah, no problem. I got another case you'll be interested in. I'll send you the link and you can tell me if you want to do it. I got a co-host spot open probably in about the beginning of December, so.
1: Sure.
0: All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, I suppose I will talk to you later. And for all you listeners out there, I'll see you folks on the flip side.